So I'm big about giving a longer delivery date, but getting the job done two weeks ahead. So if anything does go wrong, I'm not stressed last minute to do it. It gives me that playroom. Chris Latham, thank you so much for joining me, man. Since I was on your show, I've been wanting to have you on. And, you know, you and I have just been been staying connected on Instagram mainly. And that's been really cool. One of the things I actually wanted to chat with you about that I've noticed you're very good at you're really good at maintaining your professional network in a way that a lot of people don't. And this really stood out to me. I was in San Diego and, um, you know, I met this web designer who was like, yeah, I think I want to network with you. Can I have your phone number? And like, she she was like just out of school. So like, I understood why she thought that's what networking was like, give me your phone number. Right. (laughs) But that's, that's not what networking really is. What it is, is it's like maintaining a relationship and you're really good at that. What's your, how do you think about that? So there's two parts. One, first off, thank you for having me on your show. I'm being rude, just jumping on here, jumping straight into the chat. Thank you for having me on your show. Anytime. And the part of brain relationships, I got the experience from being a personal trainer for 10 years. And I'm the type of person, if it's not in front of me, I'll easily forget things. So I've had little tricks like putting people's birthdays in my calendar to remember little things. So I've had many mistakes in dropping the ball and making errors and forgetting about particular clients, forgetting about particular people. And for me, what I've learned for myself what works best is when I'm having a conversation with someone and I pick up on certain key things they're interested in, I will put that person in that bucket. And I may not talk to you for six months, but the second I hear something, I know that, oh, this person would like to know that, I'm going to send you that message and send that your way. So that's one thing that I do to keep that relationship going. But also at the same time, for me, it's about connecting with people that I'm generally curious about. Like it's, I have a big curiosity to understand what's going on in people's brains that are good in their particular crafts. So that curiosity to keep asking myself, what, what would this person think? What would that person think? Or what does this person view about that? And then the other side is I consume a lot of content, dude. Like a lot of content. <laughs> easily four to five podcasts a day. I could easily pump oh, in man. like three YouTube videos of an hour, hour and a half long. And... This is at 2x speed at the same time. Like, I'm not bumping this at 1x speed where they're talking all slow, none of that stuff. 2x speed. And the one thing I've been good at doing is, second I hear a little keyword that pops, I'm like, oh, Dave would like this. I'm going to send Dave that link ASAP, cue it to that particular time, mm-hmm. and go on about my day. I may not hear an answer back from Dave, but best believe, if we spoke about something and I find something that's interested in, that you're going to be interested in, I am sending that your way. So I pretty much make myself the plug. It's, it's weird to think about it like this with relationships, but it's like, it's not even if they watch the thing you sent them, it's that they know you were thinking of them about that, you know, like it's, it's the quantified give a shit. Not having any expectations and getting a response in return. It's like, I just want to give you this. This is something I think you'd be interested in. Boom. And if you ever want me to stop, they'll just tell me to stop. But today, no one's ever said stop. It's better to annoy someone than to have them think you don't care about them. If it's personal, if it's like spammy, that's different, but <laughs> not the way you do it. 100%. I feel like Instagram stories are also like such a great way today to keep up with people. That's that's how you and I usually communicate. Like one of us will post something and then it'll start a conversation between us. Like for me, I have the same issue as you. If it's not in front of me, I forget about it. And Instagram stories like put people in front of me and then I'm like, oh, okay, I remember that I should communicate with them. So I've stopped like adding my clients on LinkedIn and I've started adding them on Instagram so I can, <laughs> so I can communicate yes. with them. <laughs> Feels backwards, but it's more authentic. So I'll share one tip with you. And the main reason why I most often communicate through Instagram stories is my current Instagram account, I curate my feed. So it's like 
any given moment, I could do three swipes upwards, I'm going to hit the bottom of my feed. So by curating my feed, it means that I audit everybody that's on my feed that I don't mute their posts. Because the end of the day is if I want my feed to feed me for what I want to achieve in my goals and where I want to get to, it's like, this. you're not feeding me, I'm taking, I'm muting up my feed. And I've learned that people get upset when you unfollow them. Years back, so I'm like, you know what, the way to mitigate this is I just mute people's posts, but I will keep their stories open. And what I've learned with that is the post is something you use to make a statement with. The stories is like the day in the life. It's the vlog. It's that behind the scenes type of look. So I realized with the stories, it's quick. It's right there. I'm not to like go through scrolling and reading. And when I want to get some deep content, some information that's teaching me something, I'm going to go to my feed, boom, save, like, save, comment, and I'm in an amount. That's a good hack because I feel like my... I feel like my stories are like where I actually engage with people and communicate well. And then when I'm going through my feed, like it's just toxic. It's like you're just uh, and absorbing meme accounts and whatever people that I follow because I don't want to unfollow them. And like today I unfollowed someone and I felt guilty about it because I'm like, well, I don't really like want them to know that I unfollowed. I should have just muted them. That was smart. <laughs> uh, like I've had a client come like, dude, why'd you unfollow me? I'm like, uh, well, like, dude, like you weren't adding to my life. Like, like that's so mean. I'm like, you know what? To prevent this conversation ever happening again, I'm just going to mute. <laughs> <laughs> smart. That's smart. Um, so you recently went through a bit of a, of a transition with your SEO freelance career. You went, and t t tell me if I'm wrong, we only chatted about this briefly in DMs, but like you went from being focused mostly on SEO to now being focused on web design and hosting. You're my competitor, web design and hosting. <laughs> Is that is that right? <laughs> yes, and I gotta say I don't look at it as competitor because there's no, enough of pie not. for all of us. To eat. <laughs> Dude, everyone needs a website. There's so many. <laughs> yes, and it's so the thing because the tough thing is I enjoy SEO. It taps into my curiosity. I gotta put my detective hat on to figure things out. And like I was talking to a friend the other day, and I realized with SEO, you see everything: what socials generating traffic to your site, what paid is traffic generating traffic to your site. What organic, like you add a blog, I know about it. You're you're telling someone that comes to your page, I know where they came from. Like you see, oh, you oversee everything. Mm -hmm. And I like that because I get to like dive into many different rabbit holes. But what I've realized is that my whole goal to get into digital marketing were to help people on their businesses, to help them grow. And what I've come across in dealing with the numerous clients I've had in SEO, like right, so I haven't had hundreds of clients, but the pattern I just keep seeing that reemerges within the dozens and dozens of clients I've had is that execution one is slow and two, a lot of people had so many issues with their website just functioning properly that the SEO, like, it wouldn't have done anything. And I'm like, well, first off, like, your site's loading too slow. The structure of your pages make no sense. The navigating your page, people will be confused. Like, do you want them to click there? Do you want them to click here? There's no structure. There's no purpose behind each and every page. And I end up having these conversations with clients and they're like, well, it's not, well, it's not what SEO is. I'm like, SEO technically it is. It is this is it. Because if your page isn't functioning properly, isn't wired properly, doesn't have the proper plumbing, doesn't have the proper everything organized, you're, you're sending traffic to a dead site. People are going to come and they're going to leave and you're wasting money, throwing money down the drain. So were and you in this situation where you were like doing web design for clients that had hired you for SEO? Is that what was happening? I wasn't because I learned early on from my mentor, like you got to cut that line, never cross that yeah. line. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm just tired of having to wait for them to go find some. Like, I'm just going to pivot, do web design. And start because a lot of these company sites you have to restart from scratch. Like it was so bad to restart from scratch that like one client had like sixty themes and forty five plugins. I'm like, how's this even possible on a, on on a GoDaddy server? So that's like just a whole different conversation there. <laughs> 
but for me was I like structure and order and I'm all about cutting the fat. So I'm like, you know what, let's just start from scratch. Let me build your site from the bottom up, only put in what's needed. So let's take these 20 plugins, turn them into three or four that's necessary and build your site that way. And I realized, you know what, this is a better way for me to start to help people with something more tangible. Because the sale of SEO is a more challenge. Like, yeah, you know, in the six months to a year, we may get some good prop. We may see some good change, generate more traffic. And you got to say may, because nothing's guaranteed with Google. Both website, like, look, in three, four, six, eight weeks, we have a website up that's functional. Mm-hmm. Now, how you're going to get traffic, that's a whole different conversation we're going to have in our next phase, which is the growth phase. But in the meantime, I, I love the fact that a website is more tangible than the SEO. It feels so being able good to, sell something to like tangible. give something. It like it like appeals to the craftsman in you to like yes. even though it's like technical and it's not like you're you know making the cabinet or whatever, but like you're 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 giving them something that you've poured your soul into. Like I, I totally feel that. Yes, and like it's something that the client feels proud of. And for me, what I enjoyed mm-hmm. a lot also is that when I was dealing with SEO, it felt like I was coaching again. Where I'm telling people what they need to do, but it's up to them to execute. I'm like, this is moving way too slow. I'm not trying to be here on a two-year plan and you only executed 20% of what I said you need to. So I'm like, you know what? Web design is more, not fast-paced, but more actionable on my end where I can take the action, get it done, and just deliver it to them and they're happy. So are you now at a point where it's either or, like you're only going to do web design or is it, you know, I will do web design as a service and I will also do SEO as a service? So that's something I thought about and I'm leaning towards just doing the web design and setting them up with certain fundamentals in their site build. Like all the sites are built with SEO in mind. Like the page structure makes sense, mm-hmm. permalink makes sense, the H well, H1s aren't as important now, but just everything makes sense. Make sure the page speed's on point, the images are loaded as small as possible to maintain the quality and speed. So all those things are put into are thought in excuse me, are thought out at the forefront while building the site. So when the site is done and complete and they're creating content, I give them a little guide on how to create your content. Where how you want to That's post your content, smart. how frequent you want to get this content out, where it's not the onus on me anymore. And if they do want some help, I could outsource them. I could refer them some writers that I could outsource to. And if you really want a game plan, we could set something else aside where it's a game plan, but it's purely consultation and no execution on my end. Perfect. I mean, that's that's where it's at, man. Like just being the consultant who knows the stuff but isn't doing the stuff. Man, I got to get more of that in my life. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So. Um, you were previously writing these blogs, like for example, like if, if someone wanted to rank for, you used a plumbing example earlier, I think, if someone was like a plumber, you would write like plumbing blogs or whatever to, to rank their site? I outsource the work from day one, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of work smarter, not harder. <laughs> I outsource that work from day one. Yep. And in outsourcing that work, what I've done is, so I have a big fear in recommending something to a client and it ends up being a dud and shit quality because that reflects on me. Mm. It's like when you recommend a friend for a job, if your, job, if your friend messed up on the job, it looks bad on you. So I'm like, I don't want to get that feeling ever. Yep. So any company I recommend for outsourcing for writing, I've used them myself in the past to make sure that it's some sort of quality and to get an idea of how quick the turnaround time is as well. So all those blogs I've outsourced, um, this is just learning from other people saying that, look, just outsource the writing to someone who's a pro. You can't be good at everything. Find what you're good at and stick at that. And my big thing is brainstorming and seeing visions and mapping things out. So um, as much as you're comfortable, I'd like to talk about like outsourcing writing because that's not something I've ever done. I've had uh, blog writers that I've hired to write topics on my blog, like for my SEO and like my funnels and all that good stuff. But um, talk to me about like outsourcing SEO is not SEO, I'm sorry. Talk to me about outsourcing content writing. Is that Do you do that overseas? Do you do it locally? Um, what's that process like? 
So, so I've dabbled with a bit of both. So I've dabbled with some mm-hmm. overseas by using Fiverr, by using Upwork. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Upwork is you got to like this dance you got to do with the writer where you pay them on Upwork for like two or three blogs. Then you have a little convo, you pull them to WhatsApp. And the only way to pull them to WhatsApp is you got to... S- I'm trying to think with this. Nah, we're good. <laughs> like, am I going to put the game out of here that people are going to not want to know about? But essentially, you send them like your WhatsApp phone number via Word document and send that as a file with like need an update. And then you pull them off uh, Upwork that way and you get them into your WhatsApp. Mm. And you just pay them directly through PayPal. Interesting. So that's one way for the outsourcing of the work. The other option I like to use is Content Pit is one. There's Writer's Access. And I forget the other one. I'm always open to like trying new sites. It really comes down to people's budgets and how much work do you want to get done. Like you could have someone just write you the blog, but then you got to go find the photos yourself. And you got to think of the headlines yourself. Or you mm. could have someone write the blog and find the photos and fed the head- find the headlines. And you could also have someone do all that plus post it for you as well. So you got to think about what's your budget, how much content do you want to put out. And like there's this weird thing where people are still very worried about the number of words. When in reality, all Google really cares about is, are you answering the person's search intent? Like, if you're with 3,000 yeah. words about what time it is in New York City, that's a waste of 2,994 words. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's people get so caught up on, like, it's got to be this number of words. It's about, if someone's searching for a particular subject, particular question, are you answering them directly with the most clear and concise answer possible? Because that's going to win at the end of the day. And that's not a long-term game. That's like more of the trend. That's that's an increasing factor. Like, um, I think it's called Rank Brain that does this calculation, right? So it's it's like if someone searches a question and then they click on the article and then they click out and then they click on the next article, that means that the first article doesn't answer that question, so they will demote it in its place uh, relative to the one that the, the last one that they tried. You know? Uh, yeah. So in that example, the first side would have a higher bounce rate, which is never a good thing. Well, although it depends on what the person's looking for. If I'm looking for what time it is in New York, I don't need to spend five minutes on your page. <laughs> in and I'm out. But yeah. it's the sort of thing where Google's smart to see that. If you click the first site, you jumped out in two seconds and went to the second site and mm-hmm. spent 60 seconds there, then this second site probably has the information that people want more than that first site. Fair enough. So what challenges are you going through and what, what things are you liking? Like, what, What's the transition like is what I'm boiling down to here? between going from being an SEO provider to being a web design provider? So I can say for me, the challenge is more, I have to plan long-term for everything I do. I'm like, what are the issues I could potentially have in six, five months from now? So my whole goal is to mitigate future stress. So there's a lot of things like right now, like I'm trying out with different servers and trying out, okay, if I plug, if I install this plugin with that plugin, what's, what could potentially cause these crashes? I'm certainly tinkering a lot right now. And for me, it's, the issue comes down to when is when it comes to the point of hiring someone else to design it for you. It's like in every field, in every field, right? Every, in every craft, you have a hard time letting go because you think you're the only one who could do it. Mm-hmm. And I gotta keep in mind that like it's okay if someone does six percent, seventy percent of the work, because the end of the day, it's that is the objective being met. It's not about how nice does it look. Is the objective being met? So I gotta keep that in mind. So that's the biggest challenge. Um, in terms of making that smooth transition, it wasn't that hard. Like it's been tinkering with like websites and servers for years like i realized that when i was doing this i looked back and i'm like oh like i built my own netflix server on plex a few like years back before that when like dropbox i hit my limit of upload photos i built my own cloud server there and i'm like i've been kind of been doing this stuff for a long time like i remember building my old website back in the day on what i don't think it was i think it was theme forest back in the day 
I know Invato now is bigger, but like using a theme forest theme and like doing that and like learning some HTML and CSS. Totally. That's how I started. So I kind of always been in there, but never like dived in. And everyone who knew me is like, Chris, you like computers? You just don't like computers? I'm like, oh, I'm good. I like people. I want to deal with humans. I don't want to be just some guy behind a screen all day, which I'm now behind a screen all day, but <laughs> building the website gives me a chance to interact with humans. And also it's the whole me wanting to help people and finding that brings me the true passion. I'm like, you know, if I have this knowledge and skills, that could help someone who wants a small business to feed their family. Why would I not try to help that person? That gives me a win for the day. Because like when we, when we talk about these things, like these services that we provide, when, when, we're, when we're thinking about this as creative professionals, right? This is, this is what our business is, right? It's, it's SEO, it's web design, it's logo design, but really these are tools to solve a problem. And that problem is, you know, these are business problems like revenue generation, marketing consistency, whatever, whatever you're trying to solve, these are all just tools. So. I, I'm glad you think about it in that way. And you've kind of realized that for the people that you serve, the most actionable thing that you can do for them is, you know, focus on it as, as which tool is, which is web design. Uh, and you have to, cause like, let's be honest, like, it, and it's the sort of thing I tell people now, I'm like, no matter who you are, you have to understand and learn about business. I'm not saying I'm a pro. I'm, I'm not a pro in understanding, but I'm just always considering learning. But what I've realized is take me from like three years ago to me now, having understood more about business, I could then see the issues people have in their business and understand how I could help them with the skills I have. I'm like, oh, I see you're about to make X, Y, Z mistake. With what I know, yes, you need to go in the other direction to make sure that you don't make the same mistake that the rest of your competition's doing. And it's the sort of thing where like, no one cares about the information you about, know about more than you care. Like people don't give a shit. How many of us buy a car, drive a car every day and don't care how the engine's made, don't care how what type of materials make to make the tires, None of us, none of us cares how many safety, how many airbags there are. Does it work yet? Yeah, that's all they care about. So it's understanding that also when communicating to the client, because it can be fun to think like, I'm going to tell them how much I know. Clients don't give a shit how much you know. Can you give me the results? Mm. Save that geek talk to someone who's in your field. So I like chatting with you. I'm like, man, I got no one to share this information <laughs> with. Call me up, Max. I'm always here for it, man. <laughs> so one of the other things I think about when I think about shifting from something like SEO to web design is SEO is an ongoing project, right? So you've got monthly recurring revenue built in right off the bat. And I know you're doing hosting also. Is that the solve or like what, what, um, how is that transition working from you from a business perspective? So honestly, I say it's better because the thing about SEO with the whole getting the monthly retainers. I never liked retainers, so I never did them. I was more like, look, if I got no work to do this month, I am not going to charge you. To me, it just feels wrong. It's unethical. That's that's to me. If someone wants to run out their business, I totally get them. Maybe when it comes time to scale, I would have had to change those ideas. But for me, I'm like, look, I'm not going to write a monthly report for you and force myself to make something up to make you see, feel like what you're paying me actually did some work for if I did nothing that month. Hmm. Like, I'm not going to do that to someone. But what I found with the hosting is with the web design, I'm like, all right, I got to find a way to create recurring income because everybody I've listened to talks about you build a website and then they're gone. I'm like, all right, so how do I keep them in? So one is knowing in SEO, I understand how the hosting service you're on could dictate the speed of your website. Like you can do all you want, but if your hosting is shit, your hosting is shit. And if you're trying to do e-commerce and you got a crappy host and you and Black Friday comes and you got this big uproar of people coming into your site because like you had a bomb ad that was put out and your hosting crashed, you're screwed. Mm. And it's sort of thing where anyone who's running an e-commerce business isn't thinking about that because that's not where their mind is. Their mind is how can I grow this business? Am I getting the best rates? What are my profit margins? So me as a web designer, me since someone having done doing SEO and being in tech and understanding how these things work, I'm able to translate that message to them in a language they understand. Like, look, we all make sure you don't lose your profits. So when Black Friday comes, you're putting these ads out, 
we got to put a bit more resources to your website, to your server, to make sure that it doesn't crash. And in learning that, I realized you got to get on a good host. Like I'm, and I'm like I had one client on a on a name silo host. We tried to change his domain to Google. It took a week. And 24 hours into that change, they hit him up like, "Hey, I'm uh, with an email. So we noticed you're changing host. Was that a mistake, by any chance? You sure you don't want to stay?" And I'm like, oh, "These sons of bitches! <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, you're that? Like, they're just trying to hold on to relation." I look at their site. Their site's outdated. They have three different designs for their site. Like, you hit the you hit the domain page of the site. The logo is different. You hit the hosting page. The logo logo looks different. The site structure is different there. Yeah. But it's more. <laughs> That's what you want. <laughs> I'm frustrated of having to deal with like this, all these different things. And I tell people like, everyone goes to GoDaddy because they're the biggest thing. It's like, yeah, GoDaddy's the biggest thing because they put a lot of money marketing. And the example I tell folks, if you think of burgers, you go anywhere in the world and you say hamburgers, people are gonna think McDonald's and Burger King. We all know the burgers are trash, but the best quality burgers aren't gonna have that big marketing. It's like, hey, we're not trying to make everybody happy. We're trying to make the niches, the connoisseurs happy with this particular burgers. So when it comes to server hosting, understand people's needs and demands, and what Google's looking for and the way Google's are is switching to much more how page speed is super important, especially when it comes to mobile. We need your content coming out as fast as possible. It can't be there loading for 15, 10 seconds for that one image to come. And then like you're reading a text and this lo image loads up and your text disappears. Nobody wants to go through that. Mm -hmm. So having that SEO mindset, understand I'm like, oh, hosting is the common denominator in all these issues. And a lot of these hosting have reseller ops. I'm like, okay, I've dabbled in hosting pretty much for a good 10, 15 years of my life before this was easy. I'm like, let me just dive, dive into this now. Give me two weekends of deep diving, studying, accelerated learning, and I'm good now. <laughs> so so are you? do you have some kind of like monthly retainer that you're still charging for web design or is it only hosting? It's uh, so I do it's a maintenance, it's a hosting and a maintenance and care package. So what I offer in there is I do daily or weekly backups depending on your, your need and how often you update mm -hmm. your site. Um, I have a firewall in there. Um, I also make I also give you a monthly report that you know, like, okay, what's been updated, what type of traffic you've had this month, the uptime as well. Like, if you're an e-commerce site, you can't afford to have any downtime. And like in this whole uptime world, 99.9% sounds great, but it's nowhere near close to 99.99%. <laughs> so there's that. Um, checking to make sure that there's no malware onto the site, so getting virus scans. Also having as a retainer a company that's there to help. If your site gets hacked, they could come in and clean things out. And it's really just getting all your ducks in order that if anything does go wrong, is to mitigate any potential risk in the future by dotting our T's and crossing our eyes and make sure everything is covered in day one. I'm, I want to offer something like that, but I don't. And the reason I don't, and I want, the reason I'm actually asking all these questions is selfishly, as your competitors, trying to steal your ideas. Um, I'm worried that if I start offering hosting packages like this, I'm going to be like the person that they call at three in the morning if something goes down. Because truthfully, you know, we can be the best hosts in the world, but even if you're using AWS, there's still 99.99% or whatever their, their uptime is, it's not 100. And I don't want to be that phone call when it goes down. Is there, <laughs> is there a way around that? Or have you just decided you eat that as a cost of doing business? It's, excuse me, so that's why... How you set up your site is a big important thing. Like, are you gonna have a firewall set up? Are you gonna have good enough speeds? Are you gonna have certain backups and um, snapshots being done as well? But so whenever any potential situation does come up, you're notified before the client knows about it because there are tools to help you get the notification mm -hmm. first. I like that they're like, hey, just got a notification that your site's been down for X, Y reason. I'm on it. 
I'll give you an update when things are back in order. And like, to be honest, most sites aren't going down. Like I've had that thought. I'm like, I look at the client sites. I'm like, oh, you got this rinky dink site that's been up for 10 years and you ever had an issue where like it's so slow. I'm like, the service I'm going to give you is way much better. Like no one's business is making a host is making a server that's going to go down. That's bad business. <laughs> so it's really leveraging that. And like, if ever the day does come where all hell goes, all hell raises and like they all crash and bad goes down, I'm like, all right, I'm not to bite the dust when that time comes. But at that point in time, I like to schedule enough of my time and mitigate these risks ahead of time. So I want to, if that does come, I have room in my schedule to get that done. So I'm big about giving a longer delivery date, but getting the job done two weeks ahead. So if anything does go wrong, I'm not stressed last minute to do it. That gives me that playroom. That, that makes sense. One thing that I have always held to be true, and I'm becoming more evangelical about it the more I talk about this, is that one of the things that separates good freelancers and bad freelancers, maybe the thing, more so than your quality of deliverable, more so than your processes, more so than anything, is communication. And I think that kind of bleeds into what you're talking about there about the whole, you know, promise four weeks, get it done in two. Um, what tricks do you have to to make communication a, uh, a strong suit of yours? Because it is a strong suit of yours, just knowing you. So outside the 10 years of personal training, which is essentially going on a first date with new people every time, <laughs> which is when, when you're single, it's a great skill. <laughs> I have to make people feel comfortable. But it's the big thing is being honest what you can and can't do and it's like anything right people rather know what you can't do than you try to pretend you can do xyz like look i've never done this before and just be transparent like i've never done this particular task for you this task before i'm willing to try it out with you and for that i will do it for x rate or if there's a potential that xyz may go wrong just you showing that vulnerability people love you for that because we're all living in a world where everyone's showing their best self everyone's afraid to show their weak side, their downside. Everyone's afraid to show when they fail. Like, look at Instagram. There's nobody showing how they fail on Instagram because no one, people don't want to show that side of them. But for a business one who understands that business is all about fail, 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 win, fail, 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 win, fail, fail, miss, fail, fail, miss, win, win, fail. They're going to love that you're being authentic with them because let's be honest, we're all being lied to all day long. Everyone goes out into the world, puts their best, ma puts their best mask on and tries to show their best self to everybody and everyone and then go home, take their mask off and shit about people all day. So they said, if you're kind of look, I'm going to shit on myself. I'm all good at X, Y, and Z. I can only do this for you. They're going to appreciate that. And it makes communication a whole lot easier because you're not trying to fake the funk. You're not trying to be someone you're like, look, I'm just me. I am working on getting better at X, Y, and Z right now. But for now, this is all I could deliver to you. And nine times out of 10, they're going to be happy because like, you know what? This guy may have charged less. This guy may be more experienced. But I like that you were honest with me and they could count on that every single time. That's, that's absolutely critical. That is absolutely critical. Um, I think this is somewhat related and, uh, may not be obvious how, but I'll see if I can round about it later. But, uh, one of the places where both from a communication perspective and from a project management perspective, projects in our industry go haywire is the revision process. Um, what, what, what do you have in place to, what, what can I learn from you? What, what do you have that? Any, any gold nuggets for, for me and people listening that are in similar spaces? So what I've learned from that, like it's, again, like I've recently transitioned, so I haven't had hundreds of clients in this, mm. but at the end of the day, it's relationships. And like everyone talks about should I have a contract. So far, I've had no contracts with anybody because it's, I heard from a podcast the other day, if you market well enough, you don't need to sell anything. 
And if you're just being honest about who you are, like there's no sell. There people are buying you. They're not buying a service. They want you. It's like so I was in personal trainings. Like we're all amazing coaches in this gym. But like, why does the client come back to me? It's because they like me as a person. They want to be around me. And like even when you're starting at something and you're a beginner, people like you for you as a person. They're gonna jump on with you because they also want to see you grow. Like they know like this person's honest. They're putting effort to get better. I want to be part of that journey. And when your price goes up, they're gonna be happy to give you the money for that price. Like, look, I've been with you since day one. I want to see you grow. I love what you're doing. So now when it comes to revision process, for me, it really comes down to laying everything out for the client ahead of time. So I create this whole map journey of the entire process of how it goes to building a site. We're gonna have a conversation. When that gets checked off, then we're gonna go to brainstorming ideas. So then from there, we're gonna go to me creating some mock-ups. When you, once you say the mock-up is good, I'm going to start building the wireframe on the side and building everything up. And so it's a step-by-step. It's What really is I've created is the Amazon delivery system. What do you mean? Your order is, so by that is your order has been, has been booked, has been packaged. Boom. You know where you're at. Client logs in. They see or is impact. They're not waiting to hear from you for another two weeks. Boom. Revision one has been done. I need you to look at it. Send them an email. Revision one out of two. Like it says one out of two is done. Like there's no revision one out of infinite because I from what I've heard and what I've learned from others that can go on and on outside of your outside of what they paid you and just end up getting scope screen scope scope cre- <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're totally right and that whole knowing where you are in the process um, I don't remember who I stole this from but I apologize if you're listening and I stole it from you but it's um, if the client asks the question you've already messed up you already didn't communicate clearly enough where they were in the process because there was ambiguity on their end. And this is something that creatives in any industry, creatives, freelancers, whatever you classify yourself as, actually pretty much any business that has a customer experience, um, knowing where you are, step three of five, revision round one of two, anything like that. What What we started implementing eight months ago, nine months ago, something like this, that, 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 uh, improve this process for us. We've started having our creative director send um, like a loom video, you know, like a screen recording. Oh, dude! Alongside oh. every single deliverable, saying, "Hey, here's where you are in the process. Here's what's next. Our anticipated launch date is still on track." And like just repeating that same thing week after week. Everyone they, they keep seeing it. So that way, when there is something that they're like, hey, here's your third round of revisions, like, wait a second, (laughs) that's not on the schedule, (laughs) you know? So what I love what you guys did there is leveraging video. Dude, Mm. this is the greatest thing. Like, anytime I send a client a a mock-up revision, I send them a video, like, all right, I'm going to explain to them, I'm going to scroll to the page and explain to them why they did what I did, because then does the site look nice? Like, not about the site looks nice, the site is going to perform the way we want to. If you have six call to actions on a page, it ain't gonna work. So I gotta explain to them while showing their site in this video, why I did everything, what the purpose of this header is, what the purpose of this hero image is, what the purpose of the button being there is, why the button is this awkward color outside of your color scheme. It's giving people's attention to that button. So they understand, so the whole point is, you gotta educate your clients. Cause again, their clients don't know the information like you know the information and they give two shits about what you know about. It's just, am I gonna get the results? So handholding them throughout the entire journey People look at it's extra work, but it's the type of work that shows you care, type of work that separates you from everybody else. Some people are quick to send an email, but like, dude, emails are whack. Like, I even tell people that when they're applying for a job, send a video cover letter. No one's doing that. Dude, that is, Nobody that is our number one sales technique <laughs> that, that, that makes us get more deals than other agencies. Absolutely. Dude, 
Absolutely. How else are you going to show emotion, your passion, your charisma? And even if you're not charismatic, the fact you made a video, you're the first person who's, you may be the awkward Pete talking on camera, but you're the only person that made a video. Yeah. So it's <laughs> that entire process and journey. And what I like doing, I'll share with you, is what I've done is I created an Excel sheet. Because we all love Amazon. And what's the most annoying thing what happens with Amazon is when your package says it's going to be coming today between 6 and 8, and it doesn't show up. Game over. Like, you're pissed. <laughs> but let's be honest. The entire time from them saying it's been shipped, you're happy, you're happy because you know where it is at all times. And if someone's dishing out 5 to 10 Gs or their hard-earned cash for a deliverable, for a service, and they don't hear it from you for like two, three weeks, you failed. Mm. Like, dude, I pay 20 bucks for headphones on Amazon. I want to know where that thing is at all times. Now, someone's going to put 10 Gs into their business off of a off of a relationship, pretty much. They've seen your work, but like that may not have been you for all I know. They're going to take a gamble every time they're giving out money to someone else that they really don't know. So you got to make sure that you make you ease their stress because as a business owner, you're worried all the time. Am I going to have enough money tomorrow? Am I making enough revenue? Is there enough income? Am I going to get hit with some sort of lawsuit? Like There's all these problems in their head at all times. And if you don't understand that, you got to make sure that whenever they come to you, it's like, you know what? I enjoy talking to you. I'm at ease. I had a client come to me. Like one of the clients I have, He's in Vancouver as well. We're like, you know, instead of doing these calls, let's meet up in person. Enjoy some fresh air. He's like, you know, Chris, every time I finish talking with you, I'm in a good place. I'm in a good mood. I'm like, that's the point is to make you put at ease and understand that everything is going and everything is on track. And if things are not on track, I will be honest and say, look, either I messed up or something came out that I did not foresee would come up. And it's how I'm going to handle it. Or if I don't know how, I'll tell you when I find out how I'll handle it, I'll let you know. But it's easing them because they're constantly stressed. Like, People understand that's a lot of cash to put your money to part away with in a gamble of maybe I'll make more money in the long run. You, you don't know, mm -hmm. especially with COVID. You got to understand that and make them feel at ease. Especially if you're a freelancer that's just starting out. And obviously, you've been in the, in the game in various capacities. I'm not talking about you right now. But like if you're a freelancer that's just starting out and you don't have a great portfolio, like you, you're, you're just wasting your time if you're not sending video proposals to people. And, and I actually think that, you know, I, I do a good bit of hiring. If you are applying for like a, like a 1099 or W2 job, you should still be doing that because I'll tell you what, the most recent hire that I made, I hired, I, I got her, I, I made the job post on Indeed. And by the way, never in the history of me hiring on Indeed or any of these places has anyone ever sent me a video proposal that would have almost certainly got them whatever job they were looking for. But a side note. So if the uh, if this person hadn't messaged me on Instagram, just the fact that it, I, it connected me to them as a person rather than them as a resume, that abs that that's the reason she got that job. She also happened to be quite qual qualified uh, for the job as well, but I wouldn't have ever noticed because I she would have just been one of seventy seven on the Indeed profile. It's it's certainly the the best way to go is to like connect differently, connect in a way people aren't expecting to see you. Because you know what she did there that I liked is that, granted, she could have done that for 77 other businesses. Mm -hmm. All means it's all in her right. But is that she connected with you as a person, not as a business. And like businesses are technically people as well. Like if you're an INC, you're technically an entity in the United States. You're a person mm -hmm. outside of voting. But um, at the end of the day, what she did was like, I can send this resume on LinkedIn. But, like I'm going to do my homework and understand who this business is. Oh, this person on Instagram. It's like every business has their Instagram thing at the bottom. You could find on the Instagram, look at who's been liking it every day. Okay, the business owner likes something. You could find a way to find who owns the business. 
And his mom's like, hey, I just want to let you know, senior stuff. Watch why I sent you a resume with a little video proposition. I'd love to hear, I'd love to know if you, if you got the chance to look over my resume, I'd love to hear back mm-hmm. from you. Simple, easy. Because people shoot and spray and just kind of hope for the best. Like, no, you got to go in there, you got to nurture these things. If you're going to go plant a seed to try to get a job, it's a relationship you're building at the end totally. of the day. You got to treat them like humans. You're, you're totally right. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what what kind of I know I know the web design world is kind of like a newer thing. Like, what are you doing to acquire clients? Like, what what avenues are you pursuing? So it's, knowing that I'm, I am a competitor, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Like right now, all the clients I've had were organic. Like one of them I got from buying a product at the store. Nice. And that's a good. That's a good. It's, that means you're personable. <laughs> it, and like everyone's gonna ask you, what do you do? So it's like. I'm coming arm prepared. Like I like this service, and if I like somewhere, I'm gonna communicate with the person just to get to know them. I'm not trying to pitch them like want them to get my service. Like I am happy if I walk into a business and meet the owner, and 99% of the time they don't take my business, but I build a relationship. I'm happy with that because I'm not expecting anything, which is just like dating. You don't go into a date expecting to get the goods. You go like, all right, I'm gonna go in there, have a good time, and that puts you in an attitude where you're not thirsty, you're not hungry, you're not desperate. You don't come off as sell, sell, mm-hmm. sell. Like, you don't go into a relationship meeting someone new and say, would you marry me? Like, no, you got to build a relationship. You got to nurture them. Let them know who you are and find out your interests. So when it comes to walking into a business, if I like the establishment, I like the service I'm getting, I want to call my new. I'm like, hey, dude, your service is great. I'm loving this. What's your story? How'd you guys get? What, how'd you get here? Why'd you open up your business? And, you know, inevitably, they're going to come. What do you do? Well, I do web design and graphics. But tell me more about how you got here. Because then it's like, oh, I like this guy. The guy does something I know I need. And he just wants to know about me. And that's where it comes down to being curious about people will open so many mm-hmm. doors, so many doors. So that's, I, I guess it's a cold, warm approach. Like if you're going to spend money there anyways, talk to the owner, at least, at least. And like that, whatever product I bought for hundreds of dollars came back tenfold. Even if you're not actively looking for business, that's always the way to go. Building a relationship with, with the people that run the establishment, just people in general, just good for you. It's just, it can only help you. Because you got to look at it, right? Like. If you're a real estate agent and your job is to look for new homes, every time you walk out the house, every home you see, you see it as a prospect. Like, all right, this is a home, this is a home. You're scanning. But it's not a prospect you're trying to come in for the kill because you don't see a home. I'm going to go talk to this person right away and try to sell them my mm-hmm. service. Like, oh, I'm going to jot down a note of this home. This home looks like it needs some work. I'm going to do some homework on that home and see how I can actually help them. So what you can do, too, is come to the business, can't prepare. Like, I did my homework, looked at the website. All right, the guy's site has no SL certificate. The buttons don't click. So when a conversation does appear, which comes up, because the end of the day, he's going to look at us. I started the conversation about web design, not him, not me. He did. And like, oh, yeah, but I also noticed that, yeah, the buttons weren't working for, oh, shit, the guy did his homework before. And he didn't push me for a sale. He actually generally wanted to know who I am. So you always got to come prepared. Do your homework. So if they were going to give you step-by-step on how to get this cold, warm approach, the Latham cold, warm approach, I got to TM that, baby, is... Look at businesses you go to every single day, outside of the big chains, especially if it's like, forget the big, big chains. That's, that's just not going to work. And look at the mom and pop shops in your neighborhood. Look at their websites. See how you could do things better. And then build relations with them. You're not going to get, it's not, it's not the get quick sale, not the get quick rich scheme. It's the get rich mm-hmm. slow scheme, right? Here. Plan, not scheme. The get rich slow is take time to build that relationship. Talk to them, learn their first names, learn about their kids. And I'll give you a hack. The second you walk out of that building, Write down in a notepad in your notes their name, where they came from, when they got to the country, what their kid's name is. If they mention like basketball, write that in a notes. And every time you walk in, review that note. Like, let's be honest, you think Mr. the president himself knows everybody's name? He's got someone in his ear 
feeding in that information. And until we make that big box and have that assistant, we got to feed that information ourselves. So do your homework before walking into a business. Communicate with them. Try to learn more about them. Be genuine. Don't like make it forced like an interview. Just have a conversation with someone like you're hanging out with a buddy. And then over the weeks, at some point, he'll ask a question like, hey, are you going to bring them? Like, hey, I noticed like your site, there's this that was wrong. Have you, what have you guys done to fix it? Like, I'm interested. And at that point, the person would have asked already, what did you do for a living? Like, oh, I'd like to chat with you. Or even better yet, you could be like, look, I made a mock-up of your homepage. I'd like you to take a look at it. Figure out when they're busy, when they're less busy. And be like, hey, I noticed your site was a little issues. I made a little redesign. Take a look at this, Dave. Tell me what you think. And if you, Dave, if you like it, we could talk about it later. I know you like to have a whiskey. I'll bring a bottle of whiskey. We could have a nice little drink, you and I together, Dave. Username. You figure out this guy knows what I like. This guy's offering a service that I know that I need. Of course, I'm going to pick this person. And whatever you do, totally. do not mess up the job. Because <laughs> <laughs> now you got a relationship to maintain, too. You got to maintain a relationship and a website. Yes. And it's essentially, it's that. Like, for me, it's it's a relationship. It's not just like I'm trying to get your money and you're out. Like, I want to know more about mm. your life. How's your kids going? Like, I generally care. Because, like, to me, it's people first that comes to me. Like, this is just a venue for me to forcefully have a conversation that also feeds me and allows me to fund everything else I want to do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so now that you've made this shift, right, from from SEO to web design, what's your thinking? Like, I know this is the kind of industry where everything is whatever happens happens. But what are you thinking in terms of the next six to twelve months? Like, what are your what are you trying to accomplish? So next six to twelve months is to have more systems in place. And okay. to also use my systems as a way to test to see what could potentially go wrong. So when the time comes to outsource, I know ahead of time what could potentially go wrong. Like, hey, Chris, I'm trying to ask them, you you're going to make this man. mistake, you're going to make that mistake. That's why I have it set up this way. Because someone coming into your system is not going to test, but they're going to question things. And they're going to try to come up with like, oh, you ever thought about this? I actually did. Like, this guy knows his shit. He's thought of everything. I did think of everything. That's why I'm able to hire you now. So that's so. When you say systems, what are you talking about? Like, what, give me, give me some examples. Okay, so like a client comes in, so I have a whole like sheet set up. Like, let me have a conversation. I'm gonna record a conversation to figure out what troubles they have in their business. And then when it comes okay. to say like building the page itself, I have certain plugins set up that I know that work well together. Like, I'm a big fan of Elementor or Thrive Suite. It all depends on what the client needs. So, science okay. is a very heavy conversion focused person, and may want to upsell into doing online courses. I'm going with Thrive Suite because the whole package works well together. And it's just like mm -hmm. one plugin has everything you need. And if someone needs something a bit more complex with like, like I have one client now, they have a list of like people's names in the hundreds and I need to be able to add, add filters. I'm going to go with Elementor for that because I have certain plugins that work well with that. So it's learning which tools to use for what. And then to have that and they split them out into that direction. Then from there it goes down to, is the page I'm building going to lead to a particular call to action that's going to be selling a product? right then and there are going to be selling a service because the service and the verb is going to change. And I got to think about the structure of the page as well. So I'd build out different layouts and structures of pages, depending on if it's a pro service or if it's mm -hmm. a product that's being sold or if it's so a, you got to come in store type of thing. So you're making decisions about a, what's the right tool for the job and, and B what's the correct architecture for certain pages that need to, like, also it's what tool for the job, but at a, at a more like detailed, multiple steps, multiple variables. Exactly. This is, seems like a quite complicated set of systems to document. Um, we do something, something similar, but, uh, it's more, there's fewer variables in ours. So what, what are you using to document all of this? I just create a notes app. Notes app? Like in my, like a notepad plus plus, and then I migrate things to OneNote. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So like you kind of got like an, go ahead. 
an example I could get people to get a grasp on what I mean by like if someone's selling a product or someone's selling a service is oftentimes if the service is going to be very heavy, heavily based on relationships. So for that side, I know that person's face needs to be front and centered. Now, if it's a product, ah. that product needs to be front and centered. So the way you're going to structure things will be a little bit different. Like, all right, if the person's face front and centered, tell them a bit about them. Then the whole thing about why the person they're selling to needs them to help them guide them to like, give them the whole hero's journey. And then with the sale, what's well, a product? Like, look, this product can help with X, Y, and Z. You don't have this, the pros and cons of this product. There's different things that will fit into different sides that could for sure cross back and forth. But the story you're going to tell will be ideally different. Gotcha. So when you say hero's journey, um, curious, are you talking about story brand or are you just talking about the general archetypal? Dude, you hit the nail right on the head, man. Donald Miller <laughs> with story brand. Game Dude, I can't lie to you. Book. I had story brand written here. Like just, <laughs> I was like, I, wanna, I wonder if he's read that book. <laughs> Dude, that book, like I got his other book, Marketing Made Simple, which is pretty much just telling you how to build a website. I'm like, okay, it just confirmed what I knew, but it's just, it's good okay. to reconfirm yourself. But anybody who's creating anything that's trying to sell, story brand. He breaks it's it down. A good framework. It's what I like about the book. I like books like this. Is that each book is actionable, and when he puts a story in the book, it has a purpose. Because a lot of books are written the same way. Some story, 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 story. So story, 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 story. The information you need. Next chapter. Story, 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 story. Information you need. So I've learned to speed read by cutting out the stories to get the information. I go with him. He puts these stories in and he breaks down the examples of like, you finish step one, now go to step two. So each chapter leads into the next. And by the end of it, you have your whole story brand, your whole script, your whole sales letter set up right there mm -hmm. and ready to go. And I like that type of setup in a book. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I like nonfiction books. It's not exactly synonymous with what you just said, but I like nonfiction books that have like a story archetype to them, which is funny because it's also the pitch that he's making about your website, right? Like he's saying basically your website should read like a book. Like it should be a story that as you go through it, it's like, you know, you, you've got this here. Uh, you know, I don't remember. There's like a, there's like a pattern that you go through mm -hmm. right? and it, make, it feels like a, you're reading a book. And he does that with his nonfiction book, which is, which is very interesting. Um, uh, another book that does that really well, which I think I recommended when I was on your podcast is uh, built to sell, which is fascinating book. Uh, mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're getting into web design, that's a, that's a good one to read. But yeah, um, put that the list. But um, back to the back to the process documentation thing because that's process documentation is like one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> so, are when you talk about you know documenting processes and then outsourcing, what what does that look like for you? What are you considering? We talked a little bit about outsourcing some design work, but what what's what's like your top priority list and how did you come to that? So a lot of the stuff are still being built on the spot. So it's um. One book I recommend everybody to read is The E-Myth Revisited. Mm. The E-Myth Revisited, the greatest book. It reads as a story. It's again, it's one of those books that it's nonfiction, but he adds a story, but it makes sense. It's not just some fluff about their life story and then comes in. It makes sense. And the number one thing I learned about that book is if you're, especially if you're starting from scratch, document everything. So when the time comes for you to get someone to hire someone else, which means you're, one, you're gonna be busy. You're gonna be stressed. You're not gonna have much time. And you're really focused on making sure that the person you're hiring is profitable and not wasting time in coaching. So why not at the beginning plan that out ahead of time so the time comes, boom, I got all these videos set up, watch them, go through them. And if you want, you could even hire an overseas um, assistant to organize those videos and that all that document stuff. So when you do hire someone to do it, it's already organized for you. <laughs> I've never read this book, but that's exactly what we have internally. <laughs> it's super funny. Because like he uses the McDonald's as an example. 
And what I love about McDonald's is that anybody can work at McDonald's. Like they've simplified things to the T of put the fries in for two minutes and a half, take it out, shake five salts, boom, Bob's your uncle, we got some fries. And when it comes down to any building, any process, you got to dumb it down like you're talking to a five-year-old. Because mm. you got to think about, if I'm, when I'm reading this, what type of questions could somebody ask me? And will I be prepared to answer that question when I'm super stressed about everything else in my life and everything else in the business? And not all of us are pros at managing our stress. So it's like, if you can mitigate that ahead of time, do it while you're creating it. It may take the creation process that's system a whole lot longer. When the time does come to launch, you're a whole lot less stressed. You got to seem like, dude, are everything okay? Like, yeah, dude, everything here makes sense. I don't have to ask you any questions. And if anybody does ask you a question, you go back and add it into there. Dude, I got to read this book. This is cool. Game changer of a book. Even if you're not in business, it makes you understand things a whole lot differently. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I keep telling folks. You got to learn about these things and not to like, even if you're not an entrepreneur, just learning about how businesses work and how they function, why they make certain moves. You understand why like Amazon years back paid got money back from the government and didn't pay any taxes. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's unfair. There's a different game being played. And if you don't know the game is being played, you're going to think it's unfair. But like, no, they're playing by the rules. The rules are put there for certain people, certain inf- entities to win, while others are meant to pay for the entities to win. It's not unfair, just the way the, the way the game is played. Is that your favorite business book? Yeah, hands down. Yeah. Hands down. It I may be also because it, it sec- gave me a big awakening, but yeah. What was the awakening? He got to create a system. Uh, like when he breaks down the whole like, because in this story, what's great is that he uses somebody who bakes pies for a living. And like everybody can get this story. It's like, yeah. So Daisy was baking pies. She was, everyone essentially loved her pies. You should open a pie store. So Daisy opened a pie store. Now Daisy ended up making pies 10 hours a week to now working 80 hours a week on her pie store and doing the books, the marketing, baking the pies, dealing with customers. Now Daisy ended up creating a new job for herself. Mm-hmm. And everybody you read tells you, don't create a new job for yourself. So I'm like, all right, well, this guy's got a point. Where is he getting at? And he comes down where people are wearing three hats, which is you have the technician, the oh, it comes on to someone, the technician, you have the visionary, and you have the person who's good at, oh, I should have took this down before ahead of time. Um... I should have the power of video. I was, was going to guess based on something that someone else quitted. Uh, so what are we looking at? Visionary. What was the other one that you said? Technician. I just realized I don't know how to spell technician. I'm getting close. <laughs> Is it manager? Yeah. Technician. I'm on emyth.com. That's got to be it. Little interlude here. Entrepreneur, manager, um, and technician. Yeah, entrepreneur, manager. Damn, I didn't you beat me on the find. Shit. That was my SEO skills. I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. So when it comes down to in that book, is the technician is good at the particular craft. So in our case, is good at building a website. The entrepreneur is the person who has the vision for where they want to bring things and fit into 20 years from now. That's being the visionary of all things. That's like your Steve Jobs of the whole business. And then you have your managers like, all right, we, you got this vision. You're good at this. Let's make sure everything in between is not falling apart. Are our numbers in order? Are things structured properly? Are we communicating to clients? Are all those little things that most people hate doing getting done? And one person cannot wear all three hats. And that's where, like, he comes down to, like, you have to be able to think in different aspects. Most people come in as technicians when they start a craft or start their own business. And they burn and crash and burn and fail because they don't know how to put on the other two hats. Mm. 
And I'm like, okay, let me learn about these other two hats and try to learn about that and see how I can implement anything I want to do. So what, what hats do you think you're wearing right now? So I'm a big visionary. That's been like, I'm a dreamer from day one. That's my big, big thing. Right now in creating the process, I'm 100% technician. And I'm okay with that. And I know that because I know if I could ask myself questions like, okay, how, what could go wrong? What would be a potential issue that comes up and solve it now? When it comes down to me being a manager, an entrepreneur, I don't have to worry about that when I hire someone to do technical work in the future. Okay. So manager doesn't need to exist right now because you're a freelancer. So that's fair enough that that hat is being omitted until later. So right now your, your, your goal is to be the technician, create the systems and the processes so that you can then use the best use of your time, which is to be entrepreneur. Yeah. Cool. I'm a big, yes. big fan. Um, one thing that you mentioned at the very beginning of this internship, nope, at the very beginning of this interview, <laughs> I just hired an intern. <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned that you mentioned at the very beginning of this interview is um, that you have a mentor. I would love to hear about that. I've never had a mentor. I'm curious what that's what that's like. So when it comes to mentors, there's pretty much any and everyone. But for SEO, I had a mentor called Drayshawn Ryan before I got my job, and I like him because I see myself in him and his story. Dude came from humble, humble beginnings, learned this whole thing called paid media, paid ads, and SEO, and then built this whole thing for himself. And he built, he did went freelance, built his own little mini agency, boutique agency. Now he recently went back to working for an agency. And what I love in that is for a good number of years, he was doing the whole entrepreneur thing. Like, you got to build your own and offer them. Like, dude, it makes sense. You're talking my language. And then he had a realization, like, some situation in life came up. He's like, look, actually, I'd much rather be in a position where I could be the employee. Where, like, he gets hired. He now works for a company, which numbers made sense obviously like he's not boo boo the fool to go from a good income to a poor income but numbers made sense where he's still able to have that freedom like he has but now he has balance in life because what people don't understand and people don't tell people don't realize is like entrepreneurship is glorified it's like the new rock star right now and when i talk to about him all the time it's like i don't consider myself an entrepreneur really right now because like i'm still dependent on another job but i'm out of stage where i'm like you know what i'm gonna enjoy this beginner phase to try different things but you gotta realize an entrepreneur is you're depending on yourself and no one else and you're wondering every day is, am I going to be able to pay my bills? Am I going to put food in my mouth? If you can't handle stress, you do not want to go down this route. Super true. At the same time, it's it's not for everybody. Like people shit on getting a job. Like nothing wrong with getting a job. Let's be honest. People with a job at nine to five, they're free. There have been so Dude. many days where I was like, <laughs> my mom always used to say this. She's like, Max, I wish I was a barista at Starbucks today. <laughs> She's an interior designer. <laughs> so funny. Dude, like, you know, at 5 p.m. I'm free. At 6, I can go schedule a dance class. At 8, I can go schedule hockey with the boys. Like, you could schedule your life. Mm -hmm. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're always working. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you don't actually don't enjoy working and enjoy what you're doing, like, don't go down this route. It's not for mm -hmm. everybody. Granted, do go down it to learn some things about yourself. Because I believe that if you go down this route and you come back to a business where you're working for them, your mindset is different. And you're now talking to your employer, your boss, at a level that you both understand each other. And you're not talking up to them, you're talking at them at an equal level. Mm -hmm. And they're going to appreciate you having that business mindset and appreciate the fact that, you know, you've done some of this before, you learned some few things. What can I learn from your your field or from your craft that could help me in my business? Because you're going to see things I don't see. And that alone separates you from everybody else. It's true. It is. It is. Super, you're, I agree with everything you just said. It is, it is super stressful. And not having that clear off switch, it's like that's what you're doing as an entrepreneur. You are, when you hire people, you are you allow that off switch. 
the business can't have one, right? There can't be, the business exists 24 seven, but after hours, there's only one person who is that company. And setting those boundaries for yourself is really tough and it's really part of the learning curve for sure, for sure. Dude, 100%, and like you talk about boundaries, there was a book I read, I think it's called Company of One. Dude, this blew my mind, man. Either Company of One or Million Dollar One Person Company. I read both books at the same time, and they both merge into one to me, but the author's talking about how he's in the West. (laughs) (laughs) So the author talks about how he's interviewing this guy, he's in the West Coast of Canada, it's like November, he's interviewing this guy, and he's like, so tell me about your business, da-da-da, and the guy's like, look, the way I set it up, is I did my numbers. And I know every year I need to make X amount of dollars. Once I make X amount of dollars, I stop working for the rest of the year and I go snowboarding and skate. <laughs> and that's cool. <laughs> again, dude, I'm reading this when I'm like, I want to have this big empire, da da da, I gotta work, work, work. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute now, this just completely shit my mind. So I'm like, you don't need to work, work, work to get the millions and millions. This guy's winning. <laughs> he did the math. I feel dumb now. <laughs> what numbers I need, and now do his own vacation pretty cool and he's like i got a waiting list but like again i'm aware enough to realize like this guy's at a point where he put in a ton of work to get to that point and that's what i'm loving at being in the beginner stage is that one i'm not rushing into trying to get to that point because i want to be able to learn all the mistakes i'm going to learn throughout mm-hmm. that process build these systems and processes and not rush there and that's why i call it the get rich slow program not the get rich quicks the get rich slow and in that what's great is that I learned from reading the book Company of One and One Person Million Dollar Business that you don't need to have a team of 20 people. Like a lot of people are one person running it with two or three assistants or two or three people contacted in and you get the job then. And that shit my mindset. I'm like, I'm grateful enough that the business I'm in is all digital where we could work remote, which the whole world recently learned that you could all work. A lot of people could work remote if you're lucky enough or fortunate enough for that. So instead of like trying to think about how I want to get a team of 20, which seems like a headache because you, you got to deal with 20 personalities. It's like having 20 girlfriends yeah. or 20 boyfriends or 20 partners. That's a headache, dude. And like one person has a bad day. This person get along with that person. Like, dude, I do not want to deal with that stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you what the trick to that is. They, they work remote too. People don't get on each other's nerves as much if they don't see each other. Exactly. But it's what I love about those books is that it shifted their mindset to, to grow big. You don't need to have this massive team. If you could create enough systems and process sort of automation in there as well, you could leverage having a very slim team and getting these wins. I feel like a lot of that comes down to pricing and you're being really particular about your service offerings as well. Like if you're in a, like one hole that I feel like I've dug myself fairly deep into is the way that my business model works is like the only real way that we can grow as a company is to do more projects per month. And the only way to do more web projects per month is to have more web designers and developers. So if I want to grow, I have to have that many people. I, I have to scale the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's just kind of the nature of it. So I've, I've accepted that and come to terms with it, and that's what I'm doing. But I think, like you said, to get rich slow, the, the reason that's good is like you're now learning from all these mistakes that everyone else has made. You don't have to screw yourself the way that I have. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I could share like one thing that allows me this, I'm not going to say privilege, this benefit is that I save money aside to be going like around the world, that didn't happen. But like now I save money aside where if things go wrong, I got some money put aside I could pull from that's not gonna force me to make a bad decision. Cause like in every field, you're gonna end up taking clients you need to just cause you need the money, not cause you want to. And it's, I'm like, I don't wanna be in that position. Like granted, I'm not gonna even think that decision's never gonna come. That time will come at some point in time. But I wanna minimize those instances 
So work with the clients I know I could fully help 100% and be as passionate mm -hmm. as I want and come as my true ex energetic and excited self. Because that's what's going to sell them on, on having me as a service. Like this person really is, is into my business. They want to know. Like for me, what I love too about getting these different clients, I get to learn about a whole different field. I'm like, I'm YouTubing, I'm doing homework. I'm like, this is cool. I never, never thought about this in my life. Like you ever, you ever hear of pole holding? No. Pole holding. Never. When someone's digging up in the streets, someone needs to hold the, the light pole up. Someone needs to pull the electricity pole up. That's a business. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm like, this is so cool to learn. Like, I love this stuff. So to me, it's a win-win. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I made a decision a long time ago. I don't want to deal with individuals for web designs, only small businesses. Because one, a small business has something to sell. The person that's individual is like, oh, it looks nice. It looks cool. Like, what are you selling? What's your purpose? What's the action you want someone to take? It's more clear and concise than a very vague response. Mm -hmm. And plus with a small business, on my selfish end, is I got to learn about something I've never thought of before. So if he's my curiosity, you know, like I want to know more. And that's a, for me, that's a win-win right there. I had a, a realization that rhymes with that, but it isn't that. It, um, for me, I have only started companies that are B2B. So I realized that I can better serve clients that I can empathize with better. So I should be selling to B2B clients. And it kind of has come, become like a mini philosophy of mine. Like any, any service that I'm selling should be one that I've used on myself and succeeded with, which is part of why I, I like, as we talked about on, when I was on your podcast, like I cut all my service offerings and started completely from scratch with web design. And then, you know, now things have changed slightly, but not too much. Yeah. And I learned from that. I'm like, okay, Chris, don't get too many services. Let's stick to the hosting <laughs> package, which is the maintenance package. I'm like, I'm also the hosting too. bundle it in there and just web yeah. design. I ain't doing nothing else, man. I'll source the rest. The maintenance thing is smart. I really need to do that. I, I really need to get, I think you've given me the, the dose of perspective I need. I've been chatting with like a lot of people about that. Who, My friend who, this is a crazy business model. So my friend, uh, he's Canadian as well. He built and sold an agency. Um, and he has been trying to convince me to do this business model where you, instead of charging a flat rate for a website, you start, you get a, a year or two year commitment to a monthly fee and yes. that's just built into it. And it's just like uh, your entire business model becomes recurring. And that's, that's, that's a good way to like not dig yourself into this hole that, that I, I was telling you that I dug myself into. Like if you've got all recurring revenue, you know exactly what's going to be in your bank next month. You know exactly, yes. you know exactly your rate of growth. Like every business problem can be solved. Not every, but most business problems can be solved by knowing exactly what your cash flow is going to be. It's awesome. Yep. And you know where I learned that from was listening to a podcast and I learned from a, this, you're never going to see this business coming. It's a car wash business. Really? So what this one person did in the car wash is he created a subscription. He's like, look, instead of people coming in, paying me 15 bucks or 12 bucks to wash a car one time, I will charge you 10, 11 bucks per month. Yeah, because what are the margins of car, car wash? Like 100%? <laughs> so it's like, one, no one's coming every day. And it's like, cool, I know every month I got this much coming in. I can pay everybody their money. I got my little profit. And then you're going to tell your phone, like, well, dude, don't go there. Come my guy. My guy gives you a limited car for 11 bucks a month. Like, of course I'm going to get limited. It's like Netflix. You can't watch all the series. Yeah. Spotify, you can't listen to all the music. So being able to get that recurring income like that, especially with the web design, they commit to two years. Like, look, you're going to get X number of hours. Once the site is complete, you'll get X number of hours allocated this fee. And what I do on top of this, I'll give you a discount to any hour outside that's of that. A cool, that's a cool way to go. Discount, that makes sense. 
So it's more incentives. Like, let's be honest. Like, they're gonna be you're gonna have updates mm-hmm. throughout the year if you're a business. It's inevitable. You're gonna want certain changes. Like, look, we're already in this together. And so instead of charging you again more out of that, I understand this monthly fee is a fee that reminds also reminds the client that you're top of mind as well. But it's I'll give you for a discount. And the great thing about having that recurring fee is you stay top of mind on your client's mind because everyone talks about you build a site and then you disappear. Who built your site? Oh, some guy named Dave. I think I don't remember. God, Versus, I hope that never happens. You're sending a monthly nightmare. report. Like who built it? Was it Max? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so that's where you get the recurring mm-hmm. income coming in with the maintenance and security plan, and you also hit them up with the uh, you give them a, a report every month. So every month on the first or thirtieth, they get an email coming from you. Hey, you're giving up on how your website's going. So anytime they talk about their website, they know. Boom, Max gave my site. In the past few months, I've seen growth. We got zero viruses. Someone attempted to hack our site once, but that got blocked. I'm loving this. This is great. Because they are they have other problems to deal with. And it's like you said, dealing with business to business. They got other mm-hmm. shit to deal with. They're not thinking about the website. Once it's done, it's out of sight, out of mind for them. They want to know that I'll it works. What's, I'll tell you what's stopping me from doing this. The main thing is how many systems I would have to create in order for that to be successful. Like, okay, I have to come up with a reporting system. I have to come up with a maintenance system. I have to come Max, up with a system Max, for like Max, handling Max, support Max, tickets. Baby, baby. What I finished saying, man. What's I you- talked about company of one. Creating system and leveraging automation. I'm gonna send you a link after this chat. Yeah, I got you, baby. I got you. This, this is this is. All right. I'm not trying to put more right. work on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. You got me. You got me intrigued, man. But one thing All I do right. want to talk about on when it comes to business to business, and this is funny to share because I was talking to a buddy of mine who does graphic design, and we came up with the, I came up with the term. It's called NBC, No Broke Clients. And what does that mean, no bro clients? <laughs> is you don't deal with individuals. And the reason I like dealing with business owners and small businesses is that they understand the value of money. They're not going to go, mm-hmm. well, can I get a discount on the? No, no. I mean, you're not going to get this is the fee. If I give you less, it's going to be worth less to you. And two, they know that they got to pay. They're not going to, like, they'll come like, so what's the price? And they're ready to buy. It's not like, um, so, like, can I get a little discount? You know, we're friends. There's none of that shit that comes into play. So when you deal with business owners, they get that. They preach that you're upfront, you're honest about everything. Cause like again, mm-hmm. as a minister, you hear a lot of shit coming your way. And then you're gonna get to talk about, yeah, this dude in India said you could do it for like, no, dude, he's not gonna do it. He's gonna send you links, and you start getting backlinks to Viagra pills coming to your site. You don't want that. Yeah. Okay, good to know, good to know. Like you save their ass on that front. Yeah, totally. I've yeah. When when those projects go wrong, that's when we get our clients. <laughs> And I actually, it's funny you say that. I like literally an hour ago, just finished recording, uh, maybe two hours ago now, because we're an hour into this recording. But two hours ago, I finished recording a, a video like red flags of what you should like avoid when you're taking projects from clients. And one of them is, hey, can you do this for free? Or can you do this part for, like if they start asking, like trying to, to bargain you down, it means that they don't respect your process. It means that they don't respect your system. Yeah, like, you leave. Yeah. It's, it's just, like dating. If, if you're a on a date in person, you meet it for something. I want you to take me to five star Michelin restaurant. I just walk away. I'm not gonna say bye. Like you clearly don't respect what I'm bringing. I'm out. I don't even counter. I just stop responding. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, like what's, why waste your time and energy? It's not worth yeah. it. Totally. Totally. I've got like a, a grid of, of like if you want this many pages, it costs this much. This that you know, it's like it's linear. It's like you're ordering a Chipotle. You don't go like, mm-hmm. oh, can I get the guac for fifty cents? Like, no, you can't. <laughs> no. No. And this no same way. person is going to go buy a pair of Jordans for 300 bucks or buy a purse or anybody. Hold on. Is anybody asking Tesla for a discount when they're buying their car or that Beamer <laughs> no. they're driving in? Oh, you pay full price or you try to get that secondhand discount. 
<laughs> and you know what? We, we vent about this like it's like it's the client's fault. But usually when this happens, because it hasn't happened to me in, in quite some time, usually when it happens, it's because you failed to sufficiently productize your services. And yep. That's a really challenging thing to do as a, as a service industry. So maybe I shouldn't be um, be so casually cynical of it. But you're yeah. right. And it's like dating. You open yourself to disrespect. Like some mm -hmm. people will never get disrespected. Like I remember I had a talk years ago. And this was in CJEP, which is like between high school and university for you people, for you guys in the States. And I should say you Americans. I think it's like a, an associate's degree in the States. Yeah, kind of thing. And it was the first time I really had a chance to interact with someone who wore a head wrap, a hijab. Was, I never had, like, they're in my neighborhood, mm -hmm. but we never really spoke because, like, we kept crossing paths. And what I noticed is, and I, and I watched, like, I, I like to watch one. I noticed when guys would, like, talk to her, they came with respect. Instantly, like, boom, coming to respect. And the other girls, they kind of did what they had. They try to, like, play their games and all that. But it's sort of things that that person at job is not accepting any disrespect coming their way. They're going to come and talk to me in a certain fashion. And the same thing when it comes to businesses and dealing with clients is if you let one thing slip at the beginning, you're done. They're going to take advantage so of that forever. You know what's interesting? This, is a, um, this isn't a philosophy I came up with. It's something that uh, someone who's – He's in, you should check him out. His name's Troy Dean. He has a really good uh, agency coaching program that I've been a part of. He believes that, and he doesn't say this, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I learned it inadvertently from him. When you're doing B2B sales, it's not the same as B2C, right? So like in B2C, when you're building a website, you want to have it be as conversion focused as possible. You want to make it so that it's like from point A to point B, it's as easy as possible to buy the product and check out. But with services, like... And this has made huge differences for me in my sales process and, and other processes. You actually want to create hoops for them to jump through. You want to make it so that, like, if someone wants to get a meeting with you, they have to, like, fill out an application and it has to have qualifying criteria because getting them on board with your process early makes them realize, like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy has a, a process in place and he's trying to, like, he's you, you steering the ship is, like, a key part of the narrative of a B2B relationship. And that's... Interesting, because B to C is the complete opposite. You got to make it as easy and frictionless. Uh huh. But then, when it comes to business, anybody who's worth time or a grain of salt, you're gonna have a hard time getting in contact with them. Like, hey, if you really want this service, you got to go through A B. I got to have this set up for a reason. Any business owner appreciates it. Like, oh, this person's got a system. Thank God. The what you're conveying to them is, I understand you. Before they even tell you their problem, like they, you're telling them, I understand you, and I have this here set up so I could better serve you. I don't want to waste a first 30 minutes of our conversation trying to get this information. Give me the information now so I can come prepared to have this conversation on our first meet. Do you feel like you're a better B2C guy because, and I'm not making a claim about whether you're better at B2C or B2B, but you do have some expertise in B2C. Do you feel that, that you have that expertise at least partially because of your time as a personal trainer? Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cheesy here. I'm not going to call it B2C. I'm going to call it B2P. Oh, business to person that is cheesy <laughs> it is but i like it though I got, you know i gotta say the things that make me different right business to person because at the end of the day when you're talking to a b2b bit to a business you're talking to a person and i'm again i'm dealing with yeah. small businesses i don't want to deal with big corporations that's a hundred headache but i want to deal with small business where, like this person's livelihood is based on this business they built for themselves it's what they fed their family with this is what they sent their kids to school with this is what they pay like this is what they built their empire family empire and legacy on and it's understanding them like and i realize whether you're dealing b2b or b2c people just want to feel like you understand them yeah and you know exactly where they're and that's all people want is to be understood in life that's true 
I'm not sure where I'm going with the sentence, but I think I know where I'm going with it. So I I think it's actually the same the same principle as what I was talking about earlier because even if you don't know it, right? When you're in a B2B mindset, if you're like a buyer trying to hire an agency, the last thing you want to do is micromanage that agency. So them demonstrating to you that you understand what they need as someone who's going to drive the ship and be in control of the of the of the of the process from start to finish you are actually catering to that same need in the same way that a customer wants to like out of for buying a backpack online right they want to see that this is going to be a seamless process and everything's going to go perfectly and you know it's the same thing but it has different you're solving the same problem but with different tools most definitely that's why i bring it back to b2p is there anything you're talking to human all right you sold me (laughs) (laughs) it's a human you're talking to at the end of the day and it's like this one person you're dealing with in HR represents the business, but like, it's a human. Can you talk to them as a person? Like I have one particular client at work. I'm not going to say names of business and all that, but like I get like, so I, it's my, I got my first corporate job and I'm different. I put the word, have an awesome day at the end of an email. I put have a kick-ass day in all caps, which I later learned kick-ass is one word and not two, but I'm sticking with it. (laughs) And it's, (laughs) I'm putting emojis in these emails. Like it's, Feel like man, people may look at it, Christian. I'm being professional. I was like, no, I'm talking to a human. Like we've all been behind these screens. Everyone's in these stressful positions. We're not getting these relationships. Like just build a relationship, talking to humans. And in terms of like building relationships, I'm doing this. I don't want to call it an experiment. I realized that it's actually an experiment. But what I've been doing for the past week is again, I'm new in this business. I've never been to this company before. So I'm there for seven months, and it really comes down to me just wanting to get to know people. So what I do is each day I email a random person. <laughs> That's a cool move. And you talk about like building relationships, like, dude, I, mean, I don't see you in person. I never heard you. Like, who are you? Like, let me know about you. What are you up to? What do you do? Like, things like that. So, like, if you're an ice cream, what flavor would you be? Or what TV character best represents you? Or if you can meet a book, if you're, if you had to title the book your life, what would the title of that book be? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just get to know humans because then they were dealing with humans at the end of the day and it's people to people. Yeah, that gives me some, I guess, I got a question for you. I need some advice. So, I don't run a huge company. I've got, I think, a total of 10 people on my team. However, half of them have not met the other half because half of them focus on web projects and half of them do everything else. What would you do in my shoes, running, knowing that no one lives in the same state? There's no two people in the same city at all, barely in the same time zone, right? So what, what would you do if you were me? How would you facilitate uh, like a people knowing each other or having some kind of a better company culture. And that's, that's you guys editing this video that I'm talking about right now. So <laughs> see, I'm here to help you guys get connected, baby. Get connected. <laughs> Coach Chris. <laughs> and that's why I wear the shirt that says happiness loves company. This company loves happiness. <laughs> so I'm, th- I'm going to give an answer that's not taking into account time zones. Okay. They're and... easy time zones for the most part. Perfect. Except for the and this is one of the things I've told myself whenever I create a business and I have employees, I want to do this. It's again, it comes out to building culture, right? Is to have particular events within the month or biweekly that is mandatory to be at. And so I'll, I'll answer you first, and I'll share what I had in mind for myself in the future. So one thing could be either pairing up people two by two, like all right, for this month, for the next three weeks, I'm gonna list out, hand out a bunch of questions, or hand out some games, some two people games. Bob and Dave, you guys are gonna work together on this particular game. And we're going to see which pairs of teams are going to come out the best, the winner of this. And the next month, the teams change. So they're forced interaction with some sort of game and prize at the end. A little competitiveness at the same time. And like, let's be honest, like when they're working on the task, they're going to communicate and talk outside of just the task. Because like, mm-hmm. we're humans. That's how, we, that's how we handle things. 
So I think that's a great example for that. If time zone is an issue, people would thin their time zones mm-hmm. and be like, all right, guys, we're going to create, it's like, think of like school, like you have like class projects to do, give a class project, like outside of web design, like something completely outside web design. So one thing could be like, if everybody has, I have popsicle sticks in my mind right now, like everybody go out and buy popsicle sticks. I'll send you the money for like a bag of 200 and, <laughs> or a bag of 500. And I want you guys to create the dopest castle you possibly can. And like the winner gets half a day off or something like just something like to get you got to add a little incentive, right? So it builds a little sense of community. There's a little competitiveness going on. And then you can find things that are done in pairs digitally. Like, all right, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. And everything outside of web design, because like you don't want to make them to feel like they're doing work. Right. You want people to play. And look at it as whatever thing you create, you got to make it feel like it's recess. Because every kid looks forward to recess. Okay. And what I've learned in life is as adults, we do not schedule in enough recess in our life. That's why we're freaking miserable. <laughs> like, I look at myself like, granted, I'm a use COVID, for example. Tough time for many of us, 100%. I'm not discounting any of that. But at the same time, what a lot of people realize during COVID is they have no recess in their life. Mm. Going out to get some drinks and going out to eat at a different restaurant every week isn't recess. Because, like, now you're home, can't go out to the restaurant, can't go out to drink. Like, what do you do for fun? Mm-hmm. And like even when I was dating, everyone puts like I like traveling, I like eating food, like and coffee. And are you guys all doing the same thing? Like yeah. seriously, it's copy paste. <laughs> like where's the playful stuff? So it's finding those things again. I also was come back to being your kid version yourself. So try to create games that are kid like. And I can show you like my example. What I've told myself a long time ago is when I learned about um, financial literacy. I'm like, look, I want to be able to impact the next generation of people to learn about this financial literacy. So whatever business I create where I hire, where I could hire, I want to be able to create a business where I could hire young people, where it's a very easy point of entry. And my thing is I want to teach them financial literacy because like, I wish I knew what I knew at 31 in my twenties. Am I upset? Of course not. Cause I, in probably my twenties, I wouldn't have cared. I'm like, how could I incentivize them to be there? I'm like, I'm going to create a monthly team meeting where it's mandatory. Hell, I'll pay you to be there too. And I'm going to talk like, all right guys, you got your paycheck coming in, take 20% of your paycheck out put it into here and invest in them because the thing is this, you don't want to be 85 years old having to work this hard like you do now mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. That ain't cool, man. And don't try to get bank on a pension. Don't try to bank on a retirement fund. That shit ain't going to be, by the time you get to old, retirement age will be like 99 because that shit keeps being pushed back and yeah. pushed back. Yeah. So I'm like, how can I impact young people where they need to be here mandatory? I'm like, okay, I need to create a business where I can hire someone where they have to be in today. And then how can I incentivize them to do is like, I'll match you to a certain percentage, like not like the 401k, but like a small match. And like, yeah, this is a mandatory meeting. You got to be here. You're going to get paid. And I want to educate you on things that you need to know for yourself. So you're not working as hard as some, as you are now in your older age. So it's trying to bring way, find ways to bring people together and make it interesting for them. That is super interesting. That is super interesting. But then again, now I'm thinking of a company at one. So it's a little different. Right, right. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, I've never worked at a company before, so I have no idea. It's funny though. It's like the more people I hire, the more I learn about this kind of thing. And I feel like I'm approaching it from such a weird perspective, but you know, the, the more, more my team gets to know me, the more they realize like, oh, it's not that he doesn't care. It's that he just, <laughs> he's only been the boss. So I have no idea. I don't know. Weird subject, but thank you. Appreciate that. It's, it's a weakness of mine and I, Pleasure, I appreciate uh, getting the chance to learn from you about it. Truthfully, that's what my podcast is for. <laughs> I ask people who are smarter than me for advice, which brings me to my next question for you. My question for you is about your podcast. So I've done your podcast. You're a fantastic host. I learned a lot from being on your podcast, actually. Thank you. The way that 
my my show did not start like this like the kind of conversation you and i are having pretty casually it started like pretty rigid like you know i was i had no idea what i was doing but and i still feel like i don't but getting better so <laughs> subjectively um so what 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 are you looking to do with the podcast what's its objective so that's a fantastic question that's what i say when and... people ask me too by the way <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm going to start my little promo package for the Give Me More Interviews. Yeah. Saying, that was a good question, Michael. That was a good question, Michelle. I like what you're asking. <laughs> um, so the goal, honestly, it's like I'm using the term media company, but not media in terms of sales, media in terms of putting information out. And there's a reason I have a hard time calling it a podcast because it really pigeonholes and it really it chops on the vision I have to this thing. It's like a small pebble when it's really a massive stone. So I try to say media company, but I understand the word media company, people think of like paid ads and all that stuff. But, and there's a reason also why I tell people that are on my podcast, you're getting a magazine covered. Cause at some point I do want to have a magazine digital and in print where we're going to share these success stories. Cause for a long time, I never understood why does the news only share bad news? I'm like, this makes no sense to me. So I'm like, there's gotta be someone out there who want to share good news and share things that could help and uplift and motivate people. And I'm like, you know what? The next generation of people coming up are super entrepreneurial. They're super creative. They're hungry. They're not waiting for a handout. They're going out there and getting it done because they were born in the internet age. They didn't have some of the old school world in them and that's to unlearn and relearn. But like, no, this is the world I'm in. I understand what the way it works. I'm gonna maximize this and leverage this to, to get a big win. Like you can rewind back to people working for social media jobs for the first time or like, Michael, you're, you're 20, you know Instagram, yeah? Okay, I'll pay you two grand a month to go Instagram. <laughs> okay. That's, that's how I got like, my first web client. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how a lot of jobs come into play like at the time so like these young kids are growing up with the technology they know it better than anybody else and for someone else who wasn't born with this technology think about it being a kid and the tv remote we knew all the buttons and what they did and how we figured that out you'd press one well shit unplug replug you press another button and you'd go through it and the kids growing up now with like tiktok instagram all these different apps and tools they're playing with it and when the time comes, they're in their 20s, they've mastered these particular tools and know it inside out better than any of us ever will. So now we're forced to pay these young kids coming up to do something that we can't do because we don't know that language. So for the podcast, for me, I want to highlight these people and what they're doing and give them their flowers before they make it big time. So for me, the goal is to have the audio form as a podcast. And then I want to have a magazine. But the main goal is I want to be able to do these video interviews side to side where I travel to that person's location follow them for a day, have a whole big thing set up and push that video out to the world and really show people like, look, this person's doing something great. They're not major right now, but they're on their way up. At the same time, me interviewing that person motivates them to keep pushing. Like, dude, this guy took time to come see me. I'm on the right path. I got to keep going. B2P. That's you're, what it's all about. You're focusing on the individuals. And you're not just getting your first round of guests. You're getting your first cohort of people that you plan to follow as they go throughout their careers exactly and with all the content i consume like i got i think i got to my instagram to like you need anything that in terms of online digital information hit me up because i'm always listening to different stories people's different um business ideas and different tools that are created and i'm like i got this info i gotta share yeah. so my part of me being selfish is like let me interview people that are up and coming that need help I'm like okay you don't know about email newsletter boom stand in blue has email lifetime subscription fee for 79 bucks for 5,000 emails a day a month that's huge Dude, I'm going to switch. I'm like, I ain't putting on 5,000 emails right now, but for the time being, if I could cut my cost from 180 USD a year to $79 one time, 
I'd be a fool not to. Yeah. But again, it's people don't know what they don't know. And I know a lot of random shit. And it's going to keep coming in. And my biggest issue is I'll hear about something, send it to you. And if you tell me, like, th- this conversation happens a lot with me. It's, Chris, remember that thing you sent me? I'm like, not at all. Um, it was around, uh, my question to them is, what month did I send it to you? Okay. Do you remember a word I used? Because I save all the messages. <laughs> and then I will search that word. Boom, I got it. And they can give me a word that's close enough. Just give me a word that's close enough. And I'll know, oh no, I would have never said that. I would have said this. Let me search, find it. This is the link you need. Okay. That's like my, my challenge is when I find something, send it right away. So when the time comes, I'll use you. Like, what was that thing I sent you? Perfect. Now to remind myself about where that information is. Because mm-hmm. it, it's in and it's out. Like, I tried using my YouTube history. Dude, that shit's from this morning. I probably got at least 30 videos in. Jeez. Wow. That's a lot of content you weren't getting. But two times speed, so it's like 15 videos. Yeah, and like through the process, <laughs> I've learned how to filter. Like I learned to like pick up for certain things. Like I yeah, need, like, yeah. background noise. Exactly. I actually listen to videos while I sleep. Um, and then like if it gets too interesting, I have to change it. But <laughs> Dude, you ever, you ever fall asleep with, video, with something in your ears? And Every in your night. dream, you heard that? Like you'd seen them like, what's going on in the stream? Like it... <laughs> It's almost like, oh, what's that experience called people try to get when they... It's like lucid, lucid dreaming, dreaming almost? Yeah, yeah. Yes! <laughs> I love that. Dude. <laughs> the worst is like when your alarm goes off and you're like in your dream trying to find where this alarm is coming from. And you're not going to find it because it's in real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. But that's, that. that's essentially the whole goal for Next Gen Fridays is my own selfishness of wanting to see people win. And if I got information that could help someone win... I'd be a fool not to share that information. It'd be Chris, selfish of me. Chris, you're a very interesting person. Um, I learn a lot from you consistently, um, just in the things that you say and the things you do and being connected with you. Uh, glad you're in my life. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been an Pleasure, awesome episode. I've had so much fun with you. What? Um, where, where do you want to send people? Ah, baby, now we're talking. Now we're talking. All right, just so ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, my name is Chris Latham. I am the Digital Renaissance Man. You heard that right, Digital Renaissance Man. You can hit me up at chrislatham.ca. That is C-H-R-I-S-S as in super, L-A-T-H-A-M, M as in mommy, .ca, because I'm repping Canada. That's how I do. If you're looking uh, to get your goals ready, to get your goals achieved and not sit back in the wayside and see goals go by, do visit ReadySetExecute.com. ReadySetExecute.com. That is my six-step goal-setting course that helped get me on track, and you can get on track too, baby. And on Instagram, Coach Latham at Coach Latham on IG at Coach Latham. Coach Latham, it's been a pleasure. Max, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.